You're listening to episode 87 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. All right, guys. So I, I think I've solved a problem. Um, we've been really racking our brains trying to figure out how to get um, how to spend money uh, to get ads and to get, uh, you know, more outreach on on like social media. And, right. you know, we we've got to we've got to find a place for that money to come from. So I had the thought. Let's just get rid of the baggage. What are we spending the most money on right now? And I figured it out. It's bad jokes <laughs> and volume. <laughs> they damage mics. We have to replace those mics. And it, uh, yeah, I see it. That's true. Bad, bad jokes and volume. So we got rid of Pete and uh, Pete and Phil. I almost said Pete and Sean. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> got rid of Pete and Phil. I think we're going to save a couple bucks we can put toward like a Facebook campaign. Yeah, I, I see it. Those are overhead costs that we, yeah, minimize. Exactly. Yeah. But, but what about the cost of having to remove them from the shirts? We'll just buy Sharpies. It's only five, <laughs> it's only five shirts, so we'll just get like white out. That's true. All right. and, and, and in the long run, I mean, you know, in the long run, we're saving money. That's right. <laughs> I agree, and you know when you when you really look at the way we are now, just the three of us, we're close. We're as close to the diversity pals as we've ever been. That's and true. Ah, we could sell that. True. That could mm-hmm. be, you know, that's a that new thing. Something, yeah. So uh, we're going with that. Uh, it's been real, Pete and Phil. Uh, best of luck in your future endeavors. Um, we'll see you on the other side when we have that sweet, sweet podcast money. That's right. And you'll get none of it. Uh, and when we're winning podcast awards, we'll forget you guys existed. So, uh, as you can see, uh, Pete and Phil, gone this week. Uh, executive decisions were made. They're not here. They may or may not be back next week. Uh, but for now, Marco, Kale, and I are holding down the fort. And we're going to have a much better show. Uh, because there will be no bad jokes on this episode, and there will be no loudness. Loudness. <laughs> loudness. Why? Because we are the serious quiet pals. One thing you can count on when the three of us come into a room is the three of us going into our little corner and just tugging ourselves nicely into the chair, a little cup of coffee, a little cup of tea. Oh, we open our comic books. We're just silent, and it's <laughs> delightful. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, we won't be silent on this episode of the show. We've actually got a lot to talk about. Uh, Big news coming from DC um, and a few books to read. We're going to be reviewing Amazing Spider-Man 801. We're going to be reviewing Shanghai Red by our friend Christopher Sabella. And uh, we've got Man of Steel number four on the docket. Uh, which should be very interesting. sure is on the docket. (laughs) (laughs) It's there. It's a book. Yeah, uh, but before we get into all that, I do want to let you guys know where you can find us all over the interwebs. Uh, so, of course, we are on Apple Podcasts, five-star rated podcast. You can keep that up if you want to. Uh, we are on all other podcast hosting platforms, and if for some reason we're not where you want us to be, let us know so we can get there. In addition to that, you can find us at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. 
Uh, and last but certainly not least, we are on YouTube, where if you are checking this out over there, you can absolutely subscribe to our channel, which helps us out a lot. It costs you nothing to do, and it helps us out so much more than it costs you. Uh, and you can share this video with your friends, which is a huge, huge boon to us as well. Now, I want to take a moment to talk about the Deadpool Cares giveaway package that we recently did. Uh, we ran a contest. And uh, we had the entirety of the Daniel Way run on Deadpool to give away. We ran a contest. And Jimmy, who you guys, if you're a regular Jimmy! listener, <laughs> you've heard his name before. And uh, he actually ended up winning the contest. And we sent that over to him, or Marco did. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, so uh, Jimmy, congrats again. Thank you guys. And thank, every thank you everyone for uh, joining We'll be having these a uh, bit more regularly. Uh, I think for July we'll be, uh, well, we won't spoil it yet. We'll announce it on social media. We'll sort of figure out the logistics of it and uh, we'll let you guys know, keep you guys posted because there are a lot of comics that uh, we are ready to give away and sort of share. Um, so yeah, stay tuned guys. Uh, congrats again, Jimmy. You should be getting your package Monday. Yay. So as you're hearing this probably, Oh yeah, as you're hearing it, yeah. You, you, as you listen to this episode, the uh, UPS guy should be knocking on your door. I, Marco, I have a question. Um, yes. What was it like having Deadpool come down your chimney to drop those books on you? Um, it was a little scary. It was the middle of the night. He sort of um, fondled me, and um, that was yeah. So, and and the weird thing was, you know, I thought it was Mariana. I live with her now, so, um, but. You know, it, it it was it was uncomfortable. She she wasn't there. She was getting ready for work, and uh, all of a sudden, I feel like this cuddle and this warmth. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We're gonna we're gonna fool around. It's like, mm, sorry. I mean, you still did, fooled around, did you? I mean, we did. So yeah, we did. Of course. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's Ryan Reynolds. So. Well, was it? <laughs> uh, let's hope. <laughs> I, don't, under the mask. I don't. I don't know Couldn't if we can. Uh, I don't know if we can say that on a public <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was it may or may not have been it may or may Ryan not have been Reynolds, but it was right. definitely I, deadpool it was definitely deadpool i didn't take off the mask and uh i guess i'm into love oh you had one on too uh yeah yeah wow so you, you gotta play it you gotta play it up that, then. <laughs> <laughs> it's my sleep. uh <laughs> it's part of my uh it's part of my um my nightgown <laughs> a mask is part of your nightgown. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I expected that. I expected that to go a lot of ways, and nightgown was not where I had to, thought I would end up. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> learning a lot more about you, Marco, than I uh, ever wanted to. But there you go. Uh, so, congratulations once again, Jimmy. We will be doing these way more often. We've got a lot more stuff coming down the pipe. You guys can let us know the kinds of giveaways that would attract you most by hitting us up on all the ways we talked about earlier. And if you guys let us know some stuff, we might be able to provide you with those things in the coming months. So be sure to hit us up. Uh, also, I want to plug the upcoming book club episode that we've got cooking uh, for this month, January or June, not January, uh, getting a little ahead of myself. Uh, June 29th, we've got Mouse coming out. So uh, stay tuned for that. It's a classic. 
Uh, it's likely that you've read it already. If you have not, uh, now's a great time to go pick that up and uh, read along with us as we discuss that book for you guys. So come back to us on the 29th and listen to our thoughts on that book. And Kale's the host, so there you go. Oh, oh no. What? <laughs> this is That's not good. <laughs> well, we do our best. Well, we do. So, uh, I've got a question for you guys. Okay. That's nice. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's nice. I guess that means it's time for... The random question, guys. The random question of the week. That was, that was nice. Please Great. proceed, Sean. Awesome. So, uh, this is a light one. A little bit of a softball. Uh, I'm really excited about Captain Marvel joining the MCU. Uh, and I think most people are. And that got me thinking about what other characters I'm really anticipating joining that world. We know that we're losing a lot of the, the heavy hitters and, and some of the mainstays uh, going into Phase 4. So, what one character would you really like to see come in and populate that world? I only just got into Ant-Man. <laughs> um, and, I, and I'm... You're a bit late. I'm super pumped about Ant-Man right now. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is about to come out um, two weeks from now. Yeah. When it comes oh, out. Oh, wow. Um, I'm I'm real excited about that. So I'm excited to see Evangeline Lilly as the Wasp, for sure. I don't know. Uh, Sean, you might know about this. Uh, there was an Avengers series in the 90s. It was a, a cartoon. Um, and Ant-Man was the leader. It was uh, old, old. Um, but it was Ant-Man, I want to say Iron Man, Vision, Scarlet Witch, and Hawkeye. On TV? Yeah, yeah. Fox Kids. What? Okay. Wow. <laughs> is it, yeah, this is 100% accurate. I, How did I, I miss that? <laughs> yeah i don't know um i i know specifically uh because i had uh i had an ant-man action figure and i think i liked him just because he was um it was hank pym for sure um but i i liked him because he was the leader which is pretty standard for me but me the too. um yeah the um the action figure was really cool you could pull out pull out his limbs and he grew, and then he came with a little teeny tiny Ant-Man figure. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So anyway, that's, the out. that's the end of that story. Cool. I'm going to look that up when we're done here. Uh, but did you have a, a, a pick for who you want to see join the... A real one? Yeah. I, I think that I'd stick with the more cosmic characters. I think it would be really cool to see Nova. Um, yeah. And I think I think we're supposed to yep. at some point. Um at one point, I would have said it was it would have been really cool to see Nathan Fillion as as Nova. Um, I waver a little bit on that now, but um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that would be really cool. Yeah, uh, he's on the way, and that was a rumor. That was a, a definite rumor going into Guardians, but it's yeah. never materialized. I I'd, I'd always kind of hoped that John C. Riley would reprise that role, and he would be <laughs> Nova. Uh, Sean, you go first. I'm still thinking. <sighs> All right. Uh, so for me, obviously, this would go a lot of different ways. Uh, there are so many characters I'd love to see join. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Sentry. Uh, I'm a big fan of that character. 
I know he's not super popular. A lot of people uh, dislike the way he was handled, but I think that um, there's a lot of really cool things that could be done with a character like that on screen uh, because his story could be a story that carries across an entire phase. So he could join in, let's say, phase four as a hero who you know, everybody reveres and, you know, maybe due to the manipulations of the Infinity Gauntlet, he's always been around and everybody remembers him as such, but we know that that's not true, you know, uh, which is the story in the comics minus the Infinity Gauntlet. And um, he's got the void in him and all that stuff. And by the end of the phase, maybe the void is... is um, has taken over and he becomes the big bad of the fa- of the phase. Uh, I-, I could definitely see a-, a story like that playing out. I think it's got that kind of tragic element to it. Um, and uh, we haven't seen something like that yet in these films. So it would be a different flavor, something very different than just a regular baddie. So I, I-, I like I th- that. I think the appeal there too is that it's, un- it's you know, similar to Thanos's um, uh, over overarching plot of in you know in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it it gives like a clear direction for this character. Um, uh, that I but I think if you spread it out over various movies, like as we progress, you know, Spider Man fifteen or whatever the fuck, we see him kind of <laughs> snap in like a weird you know in like a weird sort of creepy deranged way um you know we can get little seeds of that in each in each movie and watch that progression Hmm. yeah and and uh just to build and then marco you can go i'm wondering because we haven't seen we've seen serialized storytelling in these films obviously but if century wasn't gonna have like his own series of movies how do you tell that story across the cinematic universe to get to a, an endpoint that makes sense and have it be a fully realized story for this character. Uh, does he team up with various different characters in their movies? Does that become overbearing? It's very different in comics. So I, I really would love to know if that kind of story is even possible to tell within the constraints of filmmaking. I would love to see that challenge accepted by marvel they're doing something similar with uh the hulk uh and i think we talked about it on the show it was uh sort of a they don't want to do like a hulk movie because the the past two have been you know questionable well they can't they they can't because the universal owns the rights oh is that right i didn't know that so what what mark ruffalo and, and kevin feige have kind of figured out is they're gonna have the Hulk go through uh, like legit character development through it was Thor Ragnarok, Avengers: Infinity War, right? And I think the next Avengers, yep. Yep. and that will be like the Hulk's like movie length character progression, right? Um, i I'd, I'd be interested to see. Um, uh, lar- largely because it, it's something that hasn't been, or like a, something that hasn't been necessarily explored. Something like a um, like a Moon Knight, where it could be sort of 
in in the aftermath of half of the world population just a half of the universe population like just vanishing and like this sort of madness approach to it and having moon knight be like that sort of fractured per uh person and personality uh that'd be something that i find interesting and uh i'd want to see yeah i think uh moon knight's super cool and he has a lot of fans um he he's not like the most well-known character but i think the warren ellis run uh definitely elevated his stock and um a lot of people like him because he does have the element of like mental illness that that plays Mm -hmm. into his character and that can be handled in a very interesting and in an enlightening way if done right by the right people right um i and i think his his interactions with the other characters in the marvel cinematic universe could be just a ton of fun because mm-hmm. you can play yeah. it so many different ways right and I, I i was thinking sort of the uh not necessarily the ellis run but the lemire stuff yeah because that that where it's sort of he is almost trapped in another world in his mind. And um, that's that's been a really, really solid run and something that culminated into something a lot larger that I, I would like to see explored potentially in the MCU. I, I think he'll come. I do. Whether it's in the MCU or maybe the Netflix stuff, mm. I think he's due. Ooh, Netflix would be good. That'd be really good. I had this idea uh, for a... Uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist buddy cop series where Moon Knight was like the 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 red herring antagonist. <laughs> They're trying um, to like reel him in and stuff? Like keep him from getting too crazy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, he's off doing his Moon Knight stuff, but like there's somebody sort of pulling his strings that, you know, it could have been the Kingpin, could have been, you know, whatever. Um obviously that didn't work out because i'm here so (laughs) all right so we're gonna do a little pals pulls here uh we're gonna start off with kale uh who selected mighty morphin power rangers anniversary special so the reason i'm especially excited about this is because it uh it brings up sort of uh a a long-awaited piece of power rangers history that i don't think was ever really explored um it's the trial of astronomer um, oh yeah yeah thank you uh, <laughs> that was a much better reaction than i expected um so astronomer if you remember from your power rangers in space lore is the sister of andros who is the red in space ranger uh andros has to kill zordon to save the universe and uh because of all of the the crimes astronomer commits uh because of her her uh, various uh background issues uh she and andros were from the same planet they're their brother and sister but they were split at birth or, or at a very young age and um were raised you know very differently obviously um <laughs> astronomer becomes um i think her name's corone that sounds right. Uh, Corone becomes astronomer because she's raised by you know, villains or, or some something to that effect, and uh, sort of the 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 big 
plot of Power Rangers in Space is that Astronema sort of regains her uh, memories and eventually becomes a Power Ranger herself. I want to say it's the like the Purple Ranger. Mm, I don't remember. Uh, because I she does make an appearance in uh, Power Rangers Lost Galaxy, but I don't think she is a ranger in that series. Um, it's, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, this is Caron on trial for the crimes of Astronema, and uh, we see the... Oh, what's her name? The the villain from Turbo, Deviatrix? Oh yeah, uh, Divatrix, right? Divatrix. Oh, yeah. And uh, Rita uh, are going ma- to be big parts of this issue. Anyway, could be really cool. Really excited about it. It's going to be uh, it's sort of an anthology. There are uh, several um, different stories in it. I think, I think there's one with Alpha. Uh, there's one where Alpha does like a little uh, crime and um uh you know is like chased by the police and stuff i don't know it sounds that sounds like a lot of fun but uh very excited about this issue oh that sounds awesome can't wait to pick that up uh then you also chose multiple man number one yeah so this is um gonna be done by uh matthew rosenberg and an artist whom i did not look up and i'm so sorry i know marcos martin is doing the covers Mm -hmm. yeah uh but um so Take that in your nose and cram it, long box. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so multiple men has been dead for years in like the mainline continuity. Um, like, like actually, not like dead as a as a series. Dead as a person, right? Right. Okay. As a person, I I don't know if there was ever a multiple man series. I don't. I think he was X Force. Yeah. Wait. No. X. I X Factor. Factor. That's the other one. Yeah. Um, and uh, now he's not. And that's it. That's the hook. <laughs> <laughs> that's what reeled me in. <laughs> but um, this uh, is it done by, as I said, done by Matthew Rosenberg. He did, um, you know, uh, the Phoenix Resurrection story. Um, four kids walk into a bank. This, to me, seems like it's going to be sort of another sort of underground sleeper hit, kind of like Vision. Mm, yeah um just kind of there's just you know just the weird random character that probably has a really cool story attached to him that nobody really knows and then you get a really ace uh you know couple of artists on it and it's gonna sell like hotcakes or not and it'll get canceled after 12 issues but it'll still make a good story if it makes it to 12 issues (laughs) (laughs) no one marvel so, uh, I believe it was Tom Brevoort who talked about this book and said that the only reason that they greenlit this project was because Rosenberg's pitch was so cool that they couldn't not publish it. And uh, the artist is Andy McDonald. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. That's how you fill time, Murphy. <laughs> 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 oh god! I guess I have to catch up on the long box because I have no idea why the shade is being thrown. But uh, nah, it's all in fun. Well, as always. Uh, so, well. <laughs> <laughs> so Marco, you chose Harrow County thirty-two. Yes, this is the last issue. Uh, I am very excited. It's going to close out the entire arc 
uh, the entire series. Uh, and it's been a wild ride. Uh, I, I mentioned it, I think last week during the random question, it's sort of the series that brought me into the more modern horror stuff from a comics perspective. And, um, yeah, I've, I've been in love with this series with the artist, with the writer, uh, Tyler Crook, Cullen Bunn. They are an incredible team. So now that it's finally done, I think it's going to be collected total eight volumes, maybe. So this is the eight volumes for 32 issues. I think so. Yeah. Something like that. I guess like eight or seven. That, that's, that's not, not too yeah. far off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely go pick it up. It has some great art, some very uh, engaging stories. Sean, you're a big horror guy. I mean, this is one of those series that 100% I recommend. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm very excited and sad to see the book go, but I loved every bit of the ride. But boy, happy to see it leave. Wait. <laughs> yep. You'll, you'll have to let us know how it is uh, next week. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so for me, I've got Killer Be Killed number twenty, which Marco also is a big fan of. Yes, talk about it a little bit. Uh, it's also ending. <laughs> um, uh, it's one of the, I guess, I was gonna say longer runs, but no, it's not. Uh, but it's uh, Brew Baker Phillips. They're an all star team, and what they've been doing on Killer Be Killed has been phenomenal. Uh, it's uh, like next level stuff. Every time they release a book, it just seems to get better. And this is one of those series where it really knocked me out. Um, and they knocked it out of the park for me. And I'm, uh, again, like excited to, to see how it all ends and wraps up because the last issue, uh, I, I think, I think Sean, I think I, t- I like texted you like right after I finished. I was like, holy shit. I like something. Well, you um, told me you didn't like it. Was it was it? underwhelming. No. Yeah. Oh, because you know what it was? Because I caught, uh, like, I um, I was ba- behind, I think, like, three or four issues. And, like, everything up until that point was, like, yes, okay, I remember. Everything up until that penultimate issue was, like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And then the, that last one was, like, oh, okay. So, I don't know. I, I'm going to see how it ends because I trust them. Uh, so for me, the last issue left me with my jaw on the floor. So we had very different reactions. Um, and uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how they wrap this baby up. Uh, this is a creative team that is phenomenal, proven track record. Elizabeth Brett Weiser on color. She is just one of the best in the industry. Um, and I am this this book. I'm sad to see go. Uh, I've been very attached and. Um, I don't want it to end, but I, I'm hopeful that this won't be the last time that we see this world. I feel like there's a p- potential to come back, and maybe we'll know more with the 20th issue. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, speaking of this century, I also chose century number one. Uh, he is making his return, which is cool. Uh, he actually appeared uh, fairly recently, a few months ago, in uh, an issue of Doctor Strange. And so uh, the Century is making his grand return to Marvel Comics. Um, I, I guess I don't know how to feel about this because um, the Century had such a big part in where Marvel's direction was uh, in like 2000 and from like 2006 to 
2010. And so he's been gone really ever since. He hasn't had anything major done. He was dead. Uh, so it's going to be weird to have him back. And I'm anxious to see the way that other characters who knew him then react to his return now, provided that they do actually showcase him interacting with the Marvel Universe, which to me they have to do. Didn't Jeff Lemire do a Century series not that long ago? Well, I don't I don't think I don't Okay, so he so he dies at the end of uh Siege and then uh-huh. he gets resurrected sort of um during Uncanny X-Force and he gets like knocked into space or something like that and then um Maybe there was something that was done by Jeff Lemire. I'm not clear on that. But I know that he was gone for a while and then brought back by Donnie Cates. Oh, huh. I guess this is the Jeff Lemire series. There you go. Huh. They. I feel like they announced that a long time ago. Uh, I mean, it's been a, it's been a few months. Nothing, nothing crazy. Huh. But um, again, big Century fan. Can't wait to see what they do. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, so let's let's move on. Let's jump into the news. Uh, as I said earlier, lots of DC stuff. Last week we talked a lot about DC. This week we're going to do a little more DC stuff because they have announced a partnership with Walmart to produce uh, 400, 100-page monthly anthology books for the distributors. So uh, this is a really, really interesting dynamic idea that I can't wait to see how it unfolds. So essentially what's going to be happening is uh, each issue is going to have a 12-page original story by a creative team. The first two issues will have um, sort of like, not to be disrespectful, but lower tier creative teams. And then the third issues will introduce like, so for example, on the Batman uh, anthology book called Batman Giant, the third issue will introduce Brian Michael Bendis as the writer. Um, and then for Superman, the third issue will introduce Tom King as the writer. So that that's kind of how they're handling it. Um, and it's, 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 it's an interesting approach. Um, I, I, we do have a little bit more information on this because... So it'll be twelve original store original pages, and then the rest of the hundred pages will be ads and reprints of prior stories. Um, so, as an example, let me just pull that up. I I am uh, I have to do it from my phone, which is not typical for me. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't part the kimono. <laughs> You know, I mean, the people, you know, they, 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 they deserve to know the truth, you know. Um, Murphy definitely wants to peek through that kimono. Oh, whoa. I don't know if he could handle what he would see. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, the four titles are Superman Giant, Justice League of America Giant, Batman Giant, and Teen Titans. Something Giant. Oh, uh, nope. Nope. Uh, so Not even each- a little. <laughs> Each one starts in July, July 1st. In fact, uh, and Batman number one, Batman Giant number one, will have a new story by Jimmy Palmiotti and Patrick Zercher. So Palmiotti obviously is a great creator, um, one of the top at DC, I would say. But then the third one will bring on Brian Bendis. 
So uh, and then it will uh, that that same issue will include several backup issues. So uh, Nightwing number one from the New Fifty Two will be included as a backup issue. Uh, Batman six oh eight from two thousand and two by Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee, uh, the the start of the Hush Run. Uh, oh. And then Harley Quinn number one, also from the New Fifty Two, so that that gives you an idea of what this is going to look like. So, my question to you guys, I guess, as far as this news is concerned, is number one: Do you think this is a good idea? Uh, number two: Absolutely. Does this <laughs> does this bring you guys closer to thinking that comic books are getting distributed better? Um, and also, do you think this is going to actually bring in new readers? Um, so there was a, there was a tweet by, um, Jason and mom, uh, he's a writer and he's also a a podcaster like in the space. And he said, uh, that, you know, he first bought, uh, comics when he was at Walmarts and at smaller shops and stuff like that. Um, you know, grocery store stuff. And, and, uh, I know my, uh, my aunt, she works at TJ Maxx and years ago she bought me like thick packet of uh just like reprints that they have that tbj max sometimes sells um so i definitely think that this is something that will help bring in uh readers and the price point especially for 100 pages it's five bucks uh so i think you know since most of these uh most people don't necessarily go to comic shops to get uh their their books at least people who aren't already in the space this is definitely a way to maximize that visibility, especially at Walmart where, I mean, everybody goes to Walmart, everybody goes to like a Costco kind of thing. And so I think this is a really smart partnership. Uh, we'll see, we'll see how it, how it sort of affects the overall industry, but I definitely think that this is a smart move and it's going to bring in readers um, that otherwise wouldn't go to a comic shop. And I think that's important. Yeah, we, we a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, GameStop selling comic books and yeah. Um, right. yeah and and i i mentioned sort of the the loss of hastings and how that that really affected like comic books and and music in like the 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 midwest and like the southern part of of, of the u.s and um uh yeah getting comics in a walmart where there are th- literally thousands of walmarts um is yeah that's a that's a good move that will get uh comics in the hands of people absolutely um even if it's just like people's grandmas seeing it and going oh marco likes the batman is that what marco's grandmother sounds like oh yeah she said in spanish yeah no that's what she sounds like what would she say marco i I was translating marco were you were you yeah idiot sean doesn't speak spanish Hmm. (laughs) um but so what what if we just do the show in Spanish? Yeah, let's do that. Let's just make it really uncomfortable for Kale. <laughs> uncomfortable? I'll go back to bed, bro. It's 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> go for it, Kale. Sorry about that. So uh, what I find especially interesting about this is that um, they this is a model they use in, in the UK uh, for Marvel and DC Comics. Um, right. Oh. They 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 put out books uh, exactly as how you how you describe. Just I I I I think that they they don't really have the original stories like for this you know like that are coming out for this particular 
imprint or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, they they they're always a few series behind, but they'll have like an issue of Avengers that's fairly current, a Thor, a Captain America, and an Iron Man that are from a hundred issues ago. Um, and I, I what made me think of it in particular is the the cover of the Teen Titans issue, which has uh, Jeff Johns Teen Titans. Oh, I was doing the the the. <laughs> What is that about? Remember the the new Titans book? Oh, the Robin Duck oh, face. Yeah, Super yeah, Duck yeah. Face. Right, right, right. Um, it's got uh, Jeff Johns Teen Titans. It's, you know, when T- Tim Drake was Robin, uh, Connor Kent was Superboy, you know, the, the Superman clone. Um, but on the same cover, they have John Kent and Damian Wayne as Robin and Superboy, as well as a new Beast Boy title and, uh, you know, some other uh, Teen Titans affiliated thing. Um, so I, I find it really interesting. It's it's a really good idea. And I think I wonder if they just sort of took the idea and moved it over to the U.S. Yeah, um, I, I, I could I could definitely see that. One of the things that I saw floating around was that this would be a great way to actually advertise comics because yeah yeah um you there 100 100 pages is a lot and if the main story is only 12 pages and you've got a you know a few backups there's a lot of room for ads in there and of course some of them are going to be for you know uh van comics pals or, or the comics pals um some of those will be for uh the the, the store locator the yeah the, the, the yeah yeah and, and that's that could help, uh, you know, bring people into comic shops. Now, of course, it's not necessarily the case that just because you have access to Walmart that you have access to an LCS. Um, but for those that do, this could this could work. Yeah, if this takes off, Walmart could start selling comic books. Or that. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, f- fairly recently, Target started carrying. Uh, older graphic novels uh uh specifically from like the the new 52 i know they had justice league and like harley quinn hmm. when i was there I, however long ago that was what i what i've been struggling with is uh will i even get this um oh i i don't i don't think this is for us right but i actually i think even like physically there isn't a walmart in new york that's right. the thing I, I I can't get it right unless I yeah. go to Jersey, and I'm not gonna go out of my way to get a 12 issue main story. And uh, yeah, so far there's no announcement of a digital uh, a digital version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, I mean I, I guess like yeah, to what Kel said, like this isn't for us necessarily. This is for for those people who have been like who have seen the movies and for people who are like very casually sort of uh interested in in comics in general as they sort of continue to grow and start to hit the mainstream i think this is a signifier of them hitting uh the mainstream from a business perspective where it's like hey we could potentially make money off of these by introducing them in this way uh as to whether or not they'll be accepted we'll have to see their sales but I think this is like that sort of first step. And I and I also think that 
the content that they're putting into these magazines, especially, you know, with, uh, you said Batman 608, which is the beginning of Hush, um, as well as, you know, I, I talked about the, the Jeff Johns Teen Titans run and getting Bendis in there on, on a Batman run. These are all comics, you know, big DC superhero comics 101. You know, you want to get people in, these are the books you give them from DC to get them into the mainline continuity. And that's um, what they should be. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I personally would say if you're, if you're already in the space, I wouldn't concern yourself with it really, unless you want to buy something for a family member who is, you know, who is always trying to get into it you know oh, i really like batman where do i start walmart i i want to read tom king's superman though you know like it could be good it could be really good i listen i don't i don't doubt that but i you know again i think it's going to be superman 101 and i i not that i don't think it will be good it won't be what you're looking for you're probably right. Remains to be seen. We don't have to wait long. July 1st is when this uh, launches. So uh, I-, I think this is exciting. And it's good to see. And I do want to make sure that we-, we-, we praise DC for continuing to take steps to improve uh, their visibility uh, in-, in-, in the comics world. And or I should say in the mainstream world. Um, so kudos to DC for this. Now, in addition, uh, because of this, uh, we've learned that DC may be doing away with the glossy print stock on their books. Uh, so this is being reported by Bleeding Cool that as a result of... (laughs) Here comes Kale with his hot takes. So Marco and I (laughs) talked about this before the show started because I saw this headline in your show notes who gives a flying fuck like (laughs) it's 2018 (laughs) the world is garbage and you're gonna sit here and complain to me about how the comics book the comic book paper is gonna be completely different who cares I care how how great is your life that you're going to walk around and talk about the paper that the comic books come on. Are you fucking kidding me? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Kale, Kale, th- this is going to affect, and, and like, like seriously, this is going to affect, uh, and I've been seeing uh, like on Twitter, like colorists specifically, this is going to affect their, their ability to create different kind of palettes just because of the way that printing uh, is affected when you move away from glossy to paper. It's going to affect their their livelihoods. The, the you're going to have uh, limited palettes back to like RGB stuff. It's not going to be the same sort of mix uh, mix of colors that we have now. We wouldn't have a Jordi Belair without digital and um, glossy paper. You know, we, we'll we still have a like a sort of Kirby esque style where it's like primary colors and things like that. Obviously, you can create gradients and other things, but it affects that uh, largely. Like when you um, uh, and you guys know, I, I I collect Swamp Thing stuff. So like my uh, looking back at actual individual issues versus the reprinted on digital, like the vibrancy of colors versus what was on the paper is just 
it's so different and so distinct and brings a different kind of energy to a book that I think it, uh, I think it'll have an effect, honestly. I, I agree. I really have uh, always been a fan of the, the glossy paper. Um, I don't want to see it go. And it's unfortunate that this Walmart move is, is the, the reason behind it. Um, and it's kind of weird actually that this move is going to cause such a seismic shift in what DC is doing. But I guess when you're publishing that many books to be facilitated across all the Walmarts in the U S you know, that, I mean, that is a seismic shift. Is it, is it, you know what, you know what, dick. Uh, Pete? Shit, we went over budget. God damn it. <laughs> been, holding back, Marco. been holding back <laughs> shitty jokes all episode. It's going to be the black and white pals from now on. Oh, boy. <laughs> Time to talk about race. Uh, <laughs> I'm Mr. Black. Sean is Mr. Tan. You thought it was the other way around, didn't you, racist? <laughs> Um, uh, did you, do you know, it, are, is the paper thing going to only be on those Walmart books or is no, it just is, across the board? This is across the board. It's cutting costs, you know? Yeah. I'm bullshit. <laughs> but, but, and this is what, this is what strikes me as being so weird. Uh, in addition to this move, so we know that DC's books have gone up to three ninety nine. Except for the New Age of Heroes stuff. Uh, what most people probably haven't even noticed is that for the longest time, DC's books have been 20 pages. Uh, and so now they're actually upping the page count by two. So it'll be 399 for 22 pages instead of 20 pages. Golly. I mean, it sounds like nothing, right? It sounds meaningless, but when you consider what two pages mean to a writer, right? Mm. Uh, or or uh. like just from a storytelling perspective, but then when you think about it monetarily, uh, most creators are getting paid a, a page rate. And so if the book is 20 pages, they're getting paid for two less pages of work. Now they're doing two less pages of work, but you would presume that for the same comic, if they're going to do 20 pages anyway, I'd rather just do two more and get paid two for, you know, two more pages of my rate. But you also have, you know, you're in the DC superhero machine and that extra two pages is an extra, you know, uh, depending on the, you know, if it's Jim Lee, that's an extra six years of work. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, obviously that that's good. A, obviously that's exaggerated. But you know, in you know, in you know, for like Batman, which is is Batman weekly or is it bi weekly? Weekly, imagine. Uh it is bi weekly. Yeah, I even believe. if it's bi weekly, that's in that's even at twenty pages, that's nuts. You know, in these uh Man of Steel issues, they've had five different artists in four issues. Something like that. Something outrageous. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, it, it, like, yes, it adds more to the paycheck for you know, in hopefully, but it does also add more time, and you know, deadlines are already tough to hit over there. 
That's absolutely true. It has been a consistent issue at DC uh, regarding the artists, especially of being able to keep up. Um, but I guess at, in, the, in the end, I'd I'd rather have two pa- two more pages than not of story. Hopefully, those two pages are good pages. Uh, it remains to be seen. But a lot of things happening over at DC, and I just think it adds more context to the conversation that we had last week regarding all the other changes that are happening over at DC Entertainment. So, um, with all with all of this stuff, it remains to be seen how this is going to shake out. Um, whether or not the glossy paper will matter. Maybe Kale's right. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe I need to focus on other things. Uh, but uh, for now, I care I mean, yes. about the glossy paper. This is the Kale's Right podcast, so... Hashtag Kale's Right. All right. Well, uh, let's move over to another publisher making good decisions. And I that's definitely... Definitely thought that was going to go. Let's move on to another topic. Hashtag kills wrong. <laughs> uh, no, this is definitely a, a, a topic that you will be happy to hear about. Dark Horse has reversed their stance uh, in terms of their healthcare policy that many people are claiming was anti-trans. Uh, so last week, Dark Horse was railed across the coals. Um, over there, it may have even been um, sooner than last week, but it came on, on my radar last week uh, of them being raked over the coals about uh, their healthcare policy that did not include um, uh, b- backing for trans people who are transitioning or who need their medication, etc., etc. Those things were not covered, and uh, some were claiming that it was hypocritical of Dark Horse to be celebrating Pride Month, uh, given the fact that they were not uh, providing the appropriate health care for trans people. Dark Horse has since come out and rectified this with an apology uh, that I think a lot of people um, are, are, are taking as, as sincere and, and genuine. Um, and I, I do want to read a little bit from that apologies just so that we're all clear on what they had to say um so uh i'm I'm reading this so dark horse comics is dedicated to inclusivity and diversity of experience ideas and most importantly storytelling pride is a time we wish to celebrate and share these stories with our community of readers recently dark uh, concerns have been raised about trans inclusivity of our employee insurance coverage Dark Horse takes these issues seriously, and it is part of our company mission to be as inclusive as possible. We strive to offer quality coverage to all our employees, regardless of gender identity, sexual orientation, race, religion, etc., at an affordable rate. However, when managing healthcare options in an organization of our size, there are complicated, layered, financial and compliance realities that can limit coverage options for small businesses like ours. In the last couple of years, changes have been made to our plan to specify and broaden coverage in our health plan document to ensure inclusivity to services for all members, such as mental health benefits, standard medical care services have always been made available to all of our employees. Additionally, options for transgender coverage have greatly broadened in the insurance market. In our diligence of our upcoming program renewal, we will continue to explore all options that are currently or newly available, including enhanced transgender benefits. So, uh, Dark Horse 
you know, kudos acknowledging their error and uh, swiftly rectifying, stepping up to the plate. Yeah. So, uh, what, uh, from what I can tell, this uh, sort of campaign was uh, sort of noticed and started by on Twitter by uh, uh, user Ray Beta, uh, Tired Fairy, and Kellhound. Um, so the you know their names are uh, J uh, and I'm man. I'm sorry. This is part of the show where Kellen is pronounced somebody's name. Uh, uh, J Adin uh, Ed Adindin Edidin. Ed, okay. Um, <laughs> Mariah McCourt and uh, Kel McDonald uh, just so we can kind of give credit where credit's due they kind of spearheaded the um, this whole issue um, and I, I, I certainly don't want to take away from what they have done and, and you know the, the push that they really uh, gave Dark Horse um, and, and getting them to notice this and change this um i didn't even know comic book creators got health insurance me neither man i think once you're like a, a an employee because uh editin was a uh, an editor at dark horse he's also um a trans comic critic and podcast host so i, I think at his time his time there he he did have uh they do provide coverage for like full employees so he was as an editor, um, he did get those benefits, but huh. obviously they've changed their they, they changed their stance on specifically the um, trans policies. So and and that was called out by by that group that Kale mentioned. So yeah, yeah, good. Thank you, thank you for doing that. Like hell yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't have anything more to add other than this is awesome. Uh, moving along. This is Pete News, and Pete's not here to talk about it, but we are womp, going womp. to uh, we're going to carry how along. How dare anyway. you? How womp, dare womp. you, sir? How That's right. dare you? Exactly. Give it to him. Uh, Invincible is coming to Amazon. Robert Kirkman, uh, celebrated comic book creator of such titles as The Walking Dead and Invincible, uh, is Never bringing... Yeah, right. What is that? Uh, is bringing his uh, acclaimed series that just wrapped up a however many year long run of 144 issues, uh, bringing this to Amazon in the form of an hour long animated series. Uh, this is very interesting because this book was uh, picked up to be a movie, and we talked about that. Uh, a, f a few months ago on an episode of the show that Pete also was not on. Uh, <laughs> Good. Or at least I'm, I'm fairly <laughs> he, sure he wasn't on. He um, doesn't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> so Seth Rogen and Ethan uh, Goldberg are set to write and direct and produce the film adaptation of the comic book, but we're also getting an animated version. Uh, we're, and, and, we're, we're getting sorry? both? Well, the 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 film version was picked up, and they're still attached. There's no word to the contrary. So, hmm. as it stands now, we're getting both. Between us, I don't see the film coming out. Yeah, uh, yeah, especially based I, on this. I and I I think I like a animated series better for it anyway. Um, yeah, I think that will fit the nature of the story. Um, 
uh, I don't know if you guys have read Invincible at all. I, 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 Marco, I think you read an omnibus at some point. Uh, I've read like an issue or two of it. I haven't like gone through it though. I read a trade and a few scattered issues that I bought on a whim. Okay, okay. I I've read the first omnibus, so I can't I can't speak to the whole thing. But w- the appeal of Invincible is that it's it's a, a universe where you know things are permanent. Um, and it's, you know, where stuff is new, you know, um, so, uh, the, the thing and the, 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 the even bigger thing is that characters age. And so, you know, you're the titular character invincible as this through the series progresses over the 144 issues, you see him go from like high school student to like 30 year old father and like all of the stuff that happens in between. So to, you know, even outside of all of just like the the grandiose superhero stuff, that's going to take a lot of like shifting around of things, especially in in, uh, a a live action movie, you know? Um, So I think think as the, the show progresses over, you know, time, you can sort of change the character to kind of fit whatever age he's going to be. And I think that will be a really good, solid way to keep that true to the nature of the story. That's a great point. Uh, in addition, Invincible is a very colorful and vibrant world. And I think that the best way to translate that is through animation. Um, could it work live action? Yeah. But I think that what we're going to get from Amazon with this is going to be so good looking. You know, if they get it right, it's going to be incredible. That book is gorgeous. Uh, Ryan Otley, tremendous artist. And um, what concerns me, though, is that I don't think I've ever seen in my life an animated series that was an hour that had hour long episodes. And the only reason why that concerns me is that because is because that sounds expensive. Mm. I mean, but it's also got it's also got the backing of Amazon and Seth Rogen. Well, Seth Rogen's attached for the movie. Oh, he's not attached to the animated thing. Well, then Robert Kirkman, like you know, dude's wiping his ass with hundred dollar bills because of you know The Walking Dead. Like it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I think I think if anything, it's just uh, like you'll have fewer episodes. You know, yeah. it, it, even. Yeah. That's the only thing I think it'll affect you know, a longer episode, but just fewer total. And even even still, like you can crank out a, a good solid story in you know six episodes a season, assuming there yeah. are more than one season. Mm-hmm. This this series is going to have to attract an audience fast, in in my opinion. To get more than one season, it's gonna have to it's it's gonna have to do really well. I think with with Kirkman attached, I I think it will. I mean, it, it is one of his other creations. It is going to be you know through Amazon and through all the rest of the stuff that they've been doing. I think that uh, I don't know. I, I have I have faith that even even if it doesn't attract uh, like an audience immediately, I think it'll be one of those sleeper hits because of just the story itself and the um the we don't know the team yet, but we do know that it, it is Amazon and it is a Robert Kirkman 
uh, project, I think that 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 alone is going to attract people and keep at least a base there to to continue to produce the show. I hope you're right. I know that I will be watching this uh, 1,000%. Yep. This is one of the one of the comic book to television announcements uh, that have come out in the last few years that I'm actually really excited about. Uh, Invincible is borderline inaccessible as a comic book because it has 144 issues and you have to read every single one. Uh, a television show is a fresh start. You can start with issue or with episode number one, and it's you know it's not going to have 144 episodes. I mean that's very unlikely. And I can start with number one and continue on. So that's very exciting for me as, as a potential fan. Mm. Uh, so moving right along, we've got some news that you know your mileage may vary on. Uh, the Disney and Fox deal is done. Uh, so we haven't reported on this in a while. We've, we've kind of, you know, let, let it unfold. Uh, but Comcast stepped in and, uh, really, really, really wanted to buy Fox. And so they made an offer. They countered the Disney offer. The Disney offer was $53 billion plus stocks or whatever else. Um, Pocket change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And so they, they, they made their big offer, and Comcast countered with $71 billion. Um, and uh, actually, actually uh, that's, that's not correct. Uh, it's Comcast that offered – they offered $65 billion. Uh, Disney came back with $71 billion. Uh, so – Comcast made the sweet deal for $65 billion. Disney said, hold on, back up the Brinks truck. Uh, <laughs> they, hey, hey, Walt, go check in the couch cushions. There got to be a billion dollars <laughs> back there somewhere. <laughs> and uh, they put together an offer that uh, very much appealed to Fox. And so uh, it looks like they're going to go ahead with this. Uh, Comcast could theoretically make another offer but that doesn't seem it doesn't seem as though fox is looking to go in that direction uh i think that the disney offer is very attractive and now it's just a matter of time so uh in july both disney's shareholders and fox's shareholders will meet separately to uh confirm this right and then once that happens it's going to be up to the regulators to decide whether or not they want to sign off on this process. Uh, Disney has made it clear that since since this announcement last year, uh, they've been taking many, many steps to appease regulators even before the deal is done. Uh, and so they're hoping that it's a speedy process to acquiring the rights to several Fox properties, um, which obviously includes... All the Marvel characters that Fox currently owns. I can't imagine. Um, shut up, Kale. Sorry, sorry. So, uh, so this is uh, a failure from our government. Uh, the recent Time Warner AT and T uh, merger that went through as well is a precedent that will allow this uh, Fox and Disney deal to continue to go through. This is bad for uh, the small peoples of America. This is you, you can have your uh, your Marvel characters, but. This isn't right, guys. 
This isn't right. Thank you, Phil. Feel free to jump off your soapbox now. Uh, Kale, go for it. I was gonna, I was going to say, do you do you smell that? It smells like Phil's here. <laughs> I can smell Phil a mile away. Let me tell that's you. Uh, yeah, that's that's not too far off what I was going to say. Um, yeah, in this climate, I have no doubt that this will go through. Like the precedent's there already. Like it's a hundred percent. Yeah, going the president's through. all on board. He's all about making money. The the the, the precedent. The precedent and the president. Both. Uh, are this episode is so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen. This is... Is this bad? In a sense. Yeah, Probably. <laughs> yeah. But Sean wants to see that sweet Gene uh, Grey ass in an MCU movie. Okay, see, you took it there. I didn't take it there. Is that true? <laughs> yes. But I wasn't going to say it. Um, what I was going to say was that I am excited to see the X-Men in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Fantastic Four. Obviously, Reed Richards being uh, one of my favorite all-time characters. I can't wait to see him finally interacting with uh, some of the other MCU members. Maybe we can finally see the Illuminati, which is my number one want uh, for the MCU. I can't really comment on this from a from a I don't know political standpoint because uh, we have no ability to impact this in any way. So I'm not going to be doom and gloom about something I can't control. Instead, I'm going to focus on the part that's awesome uh, because that's all I really can do. You know, uh, I can't I can't affect this. Uh, and all, and I can also hope that this doesn't end up being as bad as other pe- as as people in general think it will be. Uh, I I don't want that to happen. Uh, so I'm going to be head in the clouds on this one, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's that thing. It's just like I mean, what the fuck else can we do? Like, <laughs> you know, we can go we can go protest at Fox headquarters all day, and people are people are fucking doing it. But you know. It's not our money. It's not our property. It's all we can do is place our hopes and dreams in the the hands of the government, and that's what's wrong with capitalism. Well, the other thing that that I've been thinking about, and and, and no one really mentions this, is that Fox is was gonna be sold. You know, this is not. It's not a situation where Fox is like, eh, well, we we could stay as Fox, but if Disney's gonna throw all this money in our face, they don't want this anymore they don't want to be in the entertainment game uh when it comes to scripted uh uh content they're not interested so whether it's disney whether it's comcast maybe some other party they're going to be sold and so from my perspective if it's going to happen anyway i'd rather they go where i can see them with the rest of their characters so uh i'm sure that if phil were here he would be uh raking me over the coals right now but I'm sorry, Phil. I don't give a damn. So, uh, in other Marvel on-screen news, uh, Sony and Amy Pascal are working diligently on a Silk movie. Uh, so, Silk is a character who has definitely risen to prominence over the last few years. She's pretty new. Uh, she's a Korean-American superhero uh, named Cindy Moon. And she was actually created during Dan Slott's run of Spider-Man. So, um, like I said, she's pretty popular, and um, Sony wants to 
use this character as a linchpin in their Spider-Man cinematic universe. Uh, we've talked about Venom. We've talked about Silver and Black. This is yet another movie uh, coming down the pipe for them in this world. Um, uh, she's a really interesting character. Uh, she's got some differences from Spider-Man in terms of her power set. Uh, she's not as strong, but she's a lot faster than he is. Uh, she actually has eidetic memory, I think that's how you say it. Um, they call it advanced Spider-Sense. Um, what do you guys think about this? I know we've talked about kind of not being into the, you know, the offshoots uh, over at Sony, but this is one that's unique in that this is the only one they've announced that, in my mind, doesn't require Spider-Man to be present. You can do this. Go ahead. Well, there are a couple of issues with that. Yes, I agree. I, I, I like this premise a lot, and I like it as a linchpin in that universe. I think that would work really well. The problem is that it does still revolve around Spider-Man. Uh, Cindy Moon was bitten by the same spider that uh, bit Peter Parker, similar to Miles Morales. But then she also, if I remember correctly, she was also sort of locked away for five years because of, um, I want to say because of Moreland and his race of spider eater jerks. Um, and, uh, yeah, some of you may remember there when Moreland was introduced in, in, in J. Michael Straczynski's run, there's a character called Ezekiel who, yes. um, who offered, um, uh, Peter, a sanctuary, like a dome where he would be completely untouchable. Um, Moreland would not be able to find him and, and he would be safe. Um, Peter denied it and went off to fight Moreland and, and figured out how to beat him. Um, until Spider-Verse? Yeah. Yeah. And we found out that there were a lot more Moreland's and, um, they were coming after spider people of all dimensions um so cindy i I believe silk came along right around that time if i if i'm not mistaken this the around the the spider verse uh story she was locked away in this dome um i don't remember if ezekiel was involved uh my my understanding and sort of the tangential connections i've i've made is she was in this shelter Ezekiel made that offer to Peter. I could only assume he made that offer to her because he knew that they would probably go after her. Um, from from what I understand from uh, the MCU perspective is that we've seen Cindy Moon in the MCU. She's in Homecoming, yeah. She's in Homecoming. Apparently, she is in Avengers Infinity War, like, on the bus. Right. Um, you know, she got the same cameo that Genki did. Um, so, uh, I, I like it as, like I said, um, I think it, I think that character is a really good idea and and especially for representation, um, you know, even, even from that perspective, it's gold. Um, but how do you do it? And how do you do it without Spider-Man? 
Uh, you know what? I think you do it really easily without Spider-Man. I think it's really easy to say, hey, here's this character who was actually bit alongside Peter. And that's where their crossroads begin and end until he's usable again. You know, so maybe. she has her own experience growing up with these powers, accepting this, whatever her journey ends up being. Uh, I think it can be separate from Peter's and they can reunite and sort of say, hey, wow, we are we have the same powers down the line. But what compels me so much is that we've, you know, listen, all these years we've had Spider-Man movies. It's just been Peter. And now we get to have Peter. But we also get to have someone else. And she's also a woman. And so how does she handle uh, being given these spider powers in a way that's different from how Peter handles them? I'm actually really fascinated by that. And I think there's a huge opportunity there that I'm I'm, I'm dying to see. Yeah, absolutely. Marco, what do you think? Um, who is Silk? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm honestly a little surprised they went this route and not the Gwen Stacy route. Ooh, yeah, I think that's... Uh... I know who that is. See? <laughs> like, and, and not even in the, um, you know, not even to reference the, you know, the Andrew Garfield, the, the amazing Spider-Man films, but, like, she's, at this point, she's more in the, the consciousness. Yeah, I just think there are a lot of fans who wouldn't be able to accept that. Fucking so, like, hey man, like that talks. stopped them before. <laughs> I I really I really think that that's that's a a touchy one. They can do it in the comics because it's not the it's not the current continuity. Uh, Gwen Stacy, she's still dead. This is an alternate reality, Gwen Stacy, uh, and we're used to stuff like that in the comics. But in the movies, you'd have to establish. Okay, so. Is is this the Gwen Stacy from the regular timeline, or is it? I don't not? think you would. I, I I think I think you do. I think you do because think about the monkey wrench that that inserts. If you if you use her here, then she's unavailable for Spider Man later. How do you how do you remove such an important character from his life? I mean, she's not in it now. Now. Because he's in high school. He's supposed to meet her a little later. I don't know. I, I still feel like you could do the alternate reality thing. And and especially with the fact that these characters are in two different companies. I feel like that would benefit them both really well. Um, like, yes, the Gwen Stacy name is still... Uh, that would still be an issue, I think. But, you know, if if the issue is the name make the you know make the thing shareable you want to make Gwen Stacy in the MCU fine make give her you know okay make it Emma Stone fine bring it over here to Sony you've got Gwen Stacy who's spider Gwen completely separate thing Peter's dead he he turned into the lizard and you know that's a whole thing I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that modern audiences wouldn't understand if you give them the premise yeah, I think I think the issue is giving them the premise, and I, I I don't believe that Sony execs are confident in moviegoers in that way, 
and they should be. Man, I wouldn't be. I I I, I wouldn't be. Um, I I just think that that's. I I honestly think it's confusing, and I also think that there's a lot of people who would be upset that she's not tied. It'd be like making a Mary Jane movie. Like what? You know? Um, where's Peter? I I just I feel just... like you would. You would be thinking about it so much, his absence, that it would almost take away from the present moment. Whereas with Silk, I mean, most but that's the that's the whole first movie. Like that's you know, sim similar to the first volume of Spider Gwen. That's like this the whole first thing. That's the whole reason she Peter is her uncle Ben. I I I think it's a it's a hurdle that I like I I think is easily overtaken if you give it the chance. All that said, real excited about a Silk movie. Real excited to get more and different Spider people. Um, and I think this announcement coming on the heels of the Miles Mor- Miles Morales film is is going to do a lot for that. Yeah, well, that's the other. That's how I was going to wrap up was by saying maybe we don't get Spider Gwen in live action quite yet, but. Maybe we get her in the uh, Spider-Verse line of movies if they do more than one, which I can't see why they wouldn't because this movie is probably going to be a big success. It's going to be hot fire. Yeah. So uh, definitely something to look forward to. Uh, And uh, for our our, our last news item, uh, I I did want to have a conversation about this. It's a... um, it's a it's a think piece. It's a it's a it's a column uh, over at ICV2, uh, written by Rob Salkowitz, and uh, it's, it's titled "Is the Middle Brow Comics Glute Sustainable?" Uh, so it's a, it's a quite a it's quite a long column. I'm not going to read the whole thing uh, here, but his essential point, uh, if I can just summarize it, and then we can have a, a little chat about it. His essential point is that. Comic books like what we see from Image or the pop-up imprint stuff that's all the rage these days are targeting not the quote-unquote lowbrow audience who enjoy mainstream uh, capes and tights books or the highbrow uh, audience who enjoys sort of underground, experimental, uh, avant-garde comics but the middle brow that targets uh, people who want stories that are similar to the Marvel and DC stuff, but that don't feature the same characters and that are a little more mature. So he specifically targets image. Uh, and he, he brings up the fact that over an image, uh, you can often find them publishing a ton of books which is something that we've talked about here on the show before, how many books they do publish, and how uh, because they don't have necessarily, I mean, unequivocally, they don't have the same name brand as the Marvel and DC mainstay characters, um, it's easy for them to get lost in the shuffle. And it's sort of the question of when you're publishing so many books and you're trying to get a piece of that market share, are you really doing yourself any favors by publishing so many comics? 
Uh, so he's again aiming at aiming this at these pop up imprints that are targeting an audience that doesn't necessarily exist. So with with Marvel, for example, you can make the argument that hey, yeah, they're publishing a bunch of comics, but they also have all the market share, right? They've got forty something percent of the market, so they can afford to do that. Uh, DC, same thing. Image, not necessarily so much. And are they cannibalizing themselves even by doing this? Are they hurting themselves? They're not creating new fans because if you if you don't read comics now, what's the reason? And then, again, this is his words or his you know summarization summarization of his words. What's the reason why you're going to pick up an image comic if you don't read comics? They're the same as Marvel comics, just a little more. Uh, again, middle brow. Um, so is there a place for that? Do they have the possibility to be sustainable? Um, is there growth in that space? Those are kind of the questions he's asking. And I want to turn it over to you guys. I'm very curious as to what you think. Um, uh, I, I don't think the pop-up imprints are necessarily sustainable. I think those are like the young animals, uh, the sort of events and moments in, in time that uh, people come for for alternative kind of superhero comics or alternative sorts of stories uh, that are outside of the big, the big two. Um, and something like Image is, <clears throat> it, it's not, yeah, it's definitely not indie anymore. Um, image is is pretty much a a player in the space, and they do have a name amongst comics readers. Uh, they, you know, you might not not necessarily uh, a casual reader might know like DC, and they'll know Marvel, but they might tangentially know like Saga because they've heard about it, or they know Walking Dead because because of the show. You know, um, it doesn't have much more permeance outside of that. I don't think. Um. But I think that their model is an alternative to 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 DC and Marvel. It it, it is, and and it's very much the in the vein of what like what what I read. Um, and I, I obviously continue to explore in like more alt stuff. But for for the people like when when I first started, it was the the home for me. Like that was I was picking up basically anything that Image was publishing because it was uh, it wasn't. I always say this, it wasn't superheroes necessarily, but it was like the, it was a different kind of comics. Um, and I think that was, was important for me. And I think that that is something that will continue to grow as we see th- pop-up imprints, uh, not pop-up imprints, but imprints that have strong creative stories like a black mask or like, um, uh, we always crown, I think Royal crown or black crown black or something crown, like black that. Crown. Black yeah. Like, you know, those smaller imprints that produce these kinds of stories that provide just a different flavor, uh, I think those will continue to grow, maybe not as expo- exponentially as uh, an image. And I don't think they'll make competition for Marvel and DC, but that's largely because of the way that Marvel and DC sort of position themselves in the market. They are, they do have that legacy, they do have that IP recognition. Um, and, and essentially, they are the market. And they are essentially the market. And um, I think that definitely they'll continue. They're, they're, they're always going to be there. 
they're going to be the, the publishers that are always going to be there. They're never going to necessarily make it to that size because American comics is superhero comics. Um, and I don't think that that's changing anytime soon, especially with the movies, especially with just the way that they've been in the, in the, in the zeitgeist. Um, so are they a growth market? I don't think so. Uh, but are they a market that is ever expanding creatively? Yes. So real quick before Kale, you offer your perspective, I did want to read just a little bit from his uh, article. I'll just read his opening um, paragraph. He says, uh, stop me if you've heard this one. A new comics imprint is spinning up a diverse line of genre work from fan favorite creators guaranteed to bring new readers into the stores and provide valuable new IP for content starved studios and networks. Hey, and this is in quotes, hey, Check out our line of quirky, sexy, violent, millennial-friendly, character-driven, politically-charged, conspiracy-thriller, urban, science-fiction, dystopia with a twist, as written edited by one of the biggest names of 1990s comics, or maybe an award-winning novelist doing her first work in the medium, drawn in a solid but distinctive mainstream style by flashy newcomer or journeyman pro, and finished in gorgeous colors. Uh, so he's he's kind of railing against the what we have seen, especially over the last year or so, has been the like, like a burger books, yeah, that kind of stuff. And and I think that's like uh, that's like the unfortunate mentality of comics readers is that this isn't something for me. I'm gonna and and this is a bias, but it's I'm gonna go and read the my my Marvel and my DC. Like this isn't this isn't something that's for me because it is literally what he 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 just laid out. It's um uh it is it is quirky. It is potentially queer focused. It is more a little bit more uh socially aware. And not to say that Marvel and DC Comics can't be that, but there is a larger focus on on that specifically. And with the most recent announcement of uh um oh my god, we we reported on it like two three weeks ago where there was a lot of backlash because it was. Uh, sort of viewed as a kind of left and progressive and very much, oh, they're just doing this for the... Verti- Vertigo's new stuff. Oh, Vertigo. So, yeah, like they're just doing it to stir the pot, you know? And it's like, that's not what it is. It's 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 just more stories. Like that, that that's what I feel is, is the disconnect is people try to... Uh, people don't want those kind of... of or don't aren't as accepting as of those different stories. And, and that's ultimately what they are. They're just different stories in a different flavor. And what's wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah. That is my stance a hundred percent. I initially, when I read this, I, I compared it to the idea of the superhero bubble. Mm. And how for years people have said that's going to pop. You know, eventually we're all going to get tired of the superhero movies and, you know, the world's going to move on. It's going to be something new. Well, we're still here. But as as we've as you guys have sort of discussed it and, you know, Sean, you, you read that quote. It really started grinding on me that like that superhero comics isn't comics it like you know it isn't comics as a whole 
Mm-hmm. It is exactly. It is American comics, sure, but that's changing, and like you know, if we don't allow it to change, then we're gonna get stuck in the '90s again, and we're gonna lose comics altogether. And I, I comics is a medium in the same way that literature and books and film are mediums and vehicles for storytelling and information and if you're just getting one type of information then what do you do when that information runs out what do you do when you want something different you turn somewhere else and that medium goes away yeah more was, people um, sorry go ahead, sorry more people are paying attention to comics because of image you know that's not to discredit uh, Oni or Boom or Fantagraphics or I- any number of independent publishers, e- even Vertigo, you know, which is an offshoot of DC. The the use of the pop pop up imprint is exactly what is bringing in new readers, and the you know the 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 superhero movies don't even do that you know for the most part you'll get somebody going going in and and picking up an issue here or there but uh, that's that's just not the world we live in because marvel and dc are the american comics market right now and they're so mired in their own continuity and their own bullshit the beauty of image is that that's not the case you know the the middle brow comics crowd is the crowd that will go to Barnes and Noble and put down volume one of the Wicked and the Divine in the same pile as the latest uh, Murakami book. You know, it's it's a crowd that just wants stories. I, I'm listen. I'm a fan of superhero comics, but you can. There are only so many stories that superhero comics can tell and especially with the way marvel and dc have built their companies and their consistent refusal to change we're not going to see those stories sitting here thinking about it and listening to it this article just sounds like superhero comic fuckboy crybaby bullshit (laughs) like <laughs> there's um there's a there's a quote i always bring up and i think i it was like one of our first episodes where um in powers there's an issue where he takes along uh warren ellis on a uh on a ride and like on a ride along to stop some kind of crime and and warren ellis is sort of saying like you know you know it's weird that in in comics that you know, 90% of what is sold are superhero comics. It's like, well, why is that the dominant, like, why is it that everywhere you turn, that is what is being sold? Like, you don't see that in any other, in any other kind of medium. Um, like, in books, like, are there only, is 90% of what is being told romance stories? It's like, n- no. Is it fantasy stories? It's like, no, there's a distribution. Uh, not necessarily evenly, but there is that distribution. And, um within within even within movies like within films like superhero sure you have a number of superhero movies that come out but that isn't the only movie like there are there are other stories to be told and 
why is it that here in American in American comics that uh, that's what you see on the shelves? You know, it is just uh, Amazing Spider-Man, X-Men, uh, Blue Beetle, Batman. Like, why is why are the other stuff? Why is everything else get sort of put to the wayside? And that's sort of confusing. And uh, where does that come from? Is I guess is the question ultimately. So, I. Uh I, I I actually you know uh, as is want to happen on this show I I definitely see his point um, I and and I, I do want to preface this by saying I buy a lot of image books I don't necessarily talk about it on the show much um, just because you know we don't talk about image books all the time and I don't always feel the need to put out I, I don't need I don't feel the need to say yeah haha I, I read image comics and i you know I, i'm not trying to sell myself to, to anybody in that way um but i i buy a lot of image stuff um and uh a lot of the vertigo books we talked about i will buy you know um the you know the black crown stuff like whatever i'm into all of that um but i think that there is a you you you, you face reality right like we've talked on this show so much about the crowd of people who don't want to read any stories at all by women, by minorities, by, you know, whatever uh, books that yeah. are politically charged, right? And so those people represent quite a bit of the people who buy comic books. And it's already such a small market. So if you are publishing comic books that don't appeal to a sizable chunk, unfortunately, of the people who consume comics, then you are cutting yourself off at the feet. And that's okay to do. It's fine to do that. Um, because you you hope that there's this other audience that's going to come out and support you. But as we've also talked about on this show, that audience doesn't come out and support, unfortunately. That's why we've seen so many Marvel books that were published uh, that had diverse creators or or characters that that sunk you know that were good but um, go ahead i are you gonna keep going or can i argue this point i i you didn't interrupt me and i don't want to like I, I i i feel really bad for doing it but <laughs> we also saw the return of all that recently um iceman just got announced again uh, Kelly Thompson was just announced on West Coast Avengers with Gwenpool. Um, I think Miles Morales is getting another team as well, as well as I believe there's another Hawkeye book coming out. Um, the 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 reason DC canceled uh, DC. What, do you even read comics? No. Uh, the reason Marvel canceled those books was because they hadn't looked at the trade sales. And they didn't even calculate the digital sales. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there's that. That's definitely a a part of the argument that needs to be brought to the table. Um, but I think, look, when you look at it, right, and you look at the sales for those books on a monthly basis versus Batman versus whatever, right? Those books do worse. Um, there's the, like the trade sales definitely matter, and that definitely helps. 
I'm telling you that I would bet that those books you just talked about, with the exception of anything involving uh, Miles Morales, will eventually be on the chopping block again. Because this is what happens. Uh, and it's an unfortunate reality, but it's also not a new reality. Uh, it's Luke Cage has never been able to sustain an ongoing for very long. And it's not because he's not a good character. Um, that's just the reality. You know, that's that's where we're at. And uh, if it's true for them in Marvel, right? And w- like, if, okay, so if it's true in Marvel that Luke Cage can't support his own book, where are the people demanding diversity buying the Luke Cage book so that it stays on the stands and they don't cancel it? Or they don't fuse it with Iron Fist, hoping to generate sales, which they've done so many times. Going back to the to the uh, 70s, when when both of those characters were struggling to continue to to have their own books, they they fused them together. That's actually how their partnership started. Um, if that's true in Marvel, right, and Luke Cage is a super popular character, what's going to happen? When Vertigo publishes their books that don't have recognizable characters and then also star characters who are super diverse and then also are created by people who are super diverse and then also are hyper political. But, uh, but I don't think that's the uh, and I don't think that's the argument is, is like the it's like I, I don't want to read the Luke Cage book. I, I want to read a story about. A diverse character with a diverse writer that isn't Marvel or DC. It's yeah. It's I. I think I think it's it's more about the aspect of a new, different story, and it's create. It's being able as far as like the uh, the the different imprints go. It's being able to create for creating's sake, and not being part of the machine and trying to get your character to sell forever sure absolutely uh to take it back to the article um he makes the point that there is a lot of this right that it's a you you mentioned the word bubble uh i I don't necessarily know that there's a bubble because i don't even know what the sales look like for the if, if for there to be a bubble um my concern what I the 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 point that I was uh, uh, building towards was um, because we already understand who these individuals are as far as the people who uh, don't want this, and you can't like you can't convince me at this moment that there's this big crowd of comic book fans who are being underserved that are desperate for this that don't have it that are going to be activated when they see these books. Uh, I, I'm not convinced of that. And so with that being said, you have all these different pop-up imprints. Um, do they not? Like, I'm concerned that they may cannibalize each other. I mean, I that's possible, I guess. But again, it's that, like I said, it's, it's that crowd that's buying these books at Barnes & Noble. It's that crowd that's buying these books at Image Titles you know, at the, the price point of nine ninety nine, it's it's these people who are out here looking for a different story for 
something they don't have to necessarily commit to. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. I. I. I don't. I think the reason that we are seeing all these pop ups and these imprints is because a size. There is a market that is sort of that is there that they're trying to serve and and potentially um, bring into not necessarily into a DC or Marvel, but like like with Vertigo, right? They're trying to they're trying to bring in readers, but into Vertigo not into DC necessarily. Like they'll be tangentially related. Sure, they'll be connected, but those people are, and I'm, I'm just using myself as an example, aren't necessarily ones that want to be with in DC already. Like we want to be, or I want to be within a realm where it's purely stories that are being told. So, uh, unfortunately, we had a, little bit of a technical issue. Uh, mm, a major technical issue. <laughs> pretty, all right, all right, pretty major. Uh, Marco lost his internet. There was an outage, uh, as is wont to happen in New York City. And so he lost his internet for several hours. And uh, somehow we're still here. We recorded a whole other show while he was gone. <laughs> that we did, uh, without him, of course. And uh, he's back, and so we're just going to finish off the episode. Unfortunately, we can't get back into where we were at, where we left off earlier. So hopefully that conversation about medium brow comics suffices for you guys. Um, And it's a conversation that we'll probably end up having a lot on this show, as we have had a lot on this show uh, over the last year and change we've been doing it. So um, uh, just some food for thought. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. But we're going to jump into some comic book reviews to cap this episode off. Uh, starting with Man of Steel number four. We've been reviewing this book since issue one. And I think that uh, so far at least we all agree that things have gone downhill. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Uh, Kel, what do you think about Man of Steel number four? I hate this cover. Yeah, me too. like I do not like it like at all I like nothing about it (laughs) yeah it's weird because it's supposed to be uh, Superman and Lois Lane kissing but it doesn't look like they're actually kissing Uh, I don't I don't yeah I don't even know what to make of it really like (laughs) it's an odd perspective like it's coming at it from a weird angle Uh, so jumping into the issue (laughs) All right. I um, also didn't like the art of this issue. Um, yeah, I, I like I I like Kevin McGuire. Um, he worked with. Um, anyway, I know I I know that uh, Kevin McGuire did some of the uh, Justice League International at the very least covers. Right. Um, and I enjoyed those. You know, I I, I know what the guy can can do. Ah, man, it just does not come across here. Like the first splash, uh, Superman has that weird, like, scrunch up face. Yeah. I- yeah. It's it's really weird. Yeah, this is, it's gotta be Maguire that did JLI, because at some point, one of the things that people talk about a lot with that book is how how like the clothes and the costume works 
and in particular there's a a, a panel where uh blue beetle is laughing so hard that he he reaches under his goggles and like wipes a tear from his eye and it's just a, a really specific detail that shows how it works and how it makes it more real and it's similar here you can really see superman's expression but at the same time it's like it's a really like just all through the book it's just a really weird expression we 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 have talked a lot about bendis speak no no wait let me let me go back to the art there is one thing i did really like there's a uh uh you know portrait style page um where it looks like a lot of things are happening to superman all at once and he's getting the shit kicked out of him and everything's happening really fast and it kind of devolves into the jason fabok um flashback that we have been teased through the whole series so far i thought that was a really good use of the page uh again still not crazy about the the pencils and the and the art and stuff but the 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 layout and and the way the you know the the spread sort of takes place it really works i think it really it it makes you feel sort of what superman is feeling yeah yeah i think um by that point i was kind of checking out in terms of the visuals and um even even there there's the one if i'm looking at the right page there's the one panel of superman um uh looking very beaten down um yeah where clark is the caption uh, in there yeah 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 exactly and that yeah yeah. that panel just he looks so ridiculous that it's hard to it was hard for me to grasp what's going on like what's it's hard for me to get invested because he just looks so silly as i was saying before i rudely interrupted myself um we as Bendis has been announced on on Superman and in DC, we've um, we this specifically Phil have been super uh, concerned about uh, Bendis speak, and you know what? Uh, this is it. This is the one. We've it's just gone off the rails here. I texted I texted the group uh, our group chat and I was like, oh hey, I I think I get it. I, I think I get what Bendis speak is. Like there, there's the whole, uh, my grandson, your son, the son of El, come with me, son. And then yeah, the one just above that, which boy, this boy, me boy, like, okay, sure, someone who is as regal as Jor El is supposed to be, sure, maybe he would say son fifteen times, but I, I have a lot of families. And none of them are so connected that they speak in a hive mind where, it, like, it just, it's so, that wish boy, this boy, me boy thing is just so, no 10-year-old child is so connected to his mom and dad. I just, that was so frustrating. It, it seems like he tries to give every character on the page a, a word balloon. Where, for, yeah, some kind of a quip where it might not necessarily, it's not necessary. Um, 
and it sort of slows the pacing down, which is kind of frustrating because you're you're sort of reading through it and it's like okay, there are, there are things that you know it, to just to keep the book going, you don't necessarily have to say, and maybe it's for some kind of comedic effect, but it doesn't land. Uh, like the the one above it where it's like I forget, do I call him grandpa? Like. Uh, it seems like he's trying to insert a joke or he's trying to make things a little bit more lighthearted in like a serious scenario, but it doesn't, it never really lands and it, it, it just becomes frustrating. Yeah. And then for me, the stuff with Green Lantern, is just like, what is even happening right now? I, I think in an earlier issue, I think it was the last issue where he sort of blows off Green Lantern. I made the comparison to the, the old Seinfeld commercials where uh, Superman and, and Jerry Seinfeld are, are walking down the street and he says, uh, yeah, Green Lantern's been leaving voicemail messages because he wants to hang out, but nobody wants to hang out with Green Lantern. That was this Green Lantern. Like, this guy just seemed like an idiot. Like a complete buffoon. That's the only word I could come up with to describe it. Buffoon. Yeah, I think... Um I think that as these issues have gone on, Bendis speak has more and more sort of insinuated itself upon this series. And uh, it's amazing to me to think that there was a time when he was revered for his dialogue. Uh, (laughs) For, you know, for real, like his approach was seen as brilliant and different than what everyone else was doing. And um, now it's just a joke to me. Um, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why would you have, why would you waste time having them go through that boy, uh, conversation? It's silly. Uh, and then to take it to the art for a second, there's a panel that stu- has stuck with me since I read this. It's on, it's on like the, what, the third or fourth page here. It's, um, it's, it's when the woman is falling from the building and I guess Superman saves her and the way that she lands she reminded me of a of a of a clay figure from Celebrity Deathmatch she, she just doesn't look right um just disturbed me for some reason uh I, I just I don't know I, I like you Kale I do like Kevin Maguire um I, I think he is talented and I've seen him in other stuff that was better. I don't know what happened here. Um, it, it's maybe I don't know. I don't even want to. I don't even want to hazard a guess. But there's just less and less here for me. Every single issue. Yeah. That that said, fucking Jor-El shows up, and and now I'm like, shit. Okay. Because now it's like, well, now I want to know why fucking Jor-El is here. And it's like, it's not, I want to know, but it's also like, it's not out of like a good desire to know, right? It's just like- Morbid curiosity. Yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, uh, there's one more thing I wanted to connect to that. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm I'm obligated to read this for another two issues, everyone. <laughs> Uh, so while Kale finds his his point, um, that everything being said, the end of the issue started to hook me again when Superman yeah. was talking to 
ragu i was getting invested and i was like <laughs> oh man this is this is kind of cool um but then superman says to ragu uh my point exactly then i thought just the fact that you tried so hard and then they something blows up and that's it if i'm not mistaken Superman now has exploding powers. Oh. I don't know what that means or to what extent, but I I think that's what that is. Well, okay. I just assumed like he blasted him with his eye beam or whatever, but the the way that the dialogue that Superman is saying before yeah, that I, happens I just doesn't make any I sense. I don't know what that's in reference to. I don't. Something to do with procreation and maybe it's supposed to s- signify that uh robot zorro here is going after john and like that's the connection that superman needed to activate his explodey powers i, I don't know i don't know didn't they ju- and i wish phil was here cuz i think he would know or fuck even i i almost wish murphy was here didn't they just have a storyline where jor-el was present oh yeah yeah so um that was the oz effect storyline yeah Um, yeah yeah and uh so is he just alive now yeah he is basically at first it was a red herring people thought it was ozymandias to tie into doomsday clock it turned out to be jor-el uh basically trying to uh use these events that were taking place as he had a, 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 a serum that he was using to manipulate people to convince superman that humans were bad or flawed or whatever so that he would stop being obsessed with saving them uh because that's not what he he doesn't need to be dealing with that um and then there and then superman didn't believe it was really Jorel, but then he goes on an adventure with booster gold i think and he learns that it actually is the real Jarrell. <laughs> Fine, I'm it. You know what? I'm in it for two more issues. Let's or three <laughs> or however long this is. Like four, four of six. Four of six. All right, two more issues. Marco's <laughs> very aware of how many issues. Are. <laughs> uh, so I think we we can safely move on to Amazing Spider-Man 801. Uh, this is the last issue of the Dan Slot run with the character. Uh, the 10-year run. Um, uh, so I didn't read this. I'm just going to throw that out there. It didn't feel to me like I should. Like, it's, you know, it's like watching the last 10 minutes of Lost. Like, like why would I Why would I read a book that signifies the end of 10 years worth of uh, comics? You know, I actually so. did that. I actually watched the last episode of Lost without having watched more than the first season. You know You're what? Monster. I, I believe you. uh so this is a this is a very interesting issue uh the art is by marcos martin and uh munsa vincente um and and i I believe he did the colors on this one and um they are the same creative team behind barrier they're the same uh art team behind barrier and they haven't really done much mainstream comic work and uh, Dan Slott actually tells a story at the end of the book 
about how uh, Marcos promised him that he would come back for the last story in this series. And he actually did, which is pretty cool. And it's awesome because the art is actually really good, I thought. Um, yeah. I think that he did a fantastic job all throughout. Uh, this story is very simple. It's not what I expected at all. I expected something that sums up the entirety of Slot's run and pays off all these different characters and stuff like that. It really doesn't do that at all. Um, it tells a very simple story about the way that Spider-Man is, I guess... He affects people. Yeah, exactly. It just, it just tells a story about how Spider-Man affects people and how, for him, saving everyone is something that he just does. Uh, but he can't, and neither can we really, take into account that these are human beings who end up having full lives as a result of him. And that each human represents the world to someone. And Spider-Man saves the world every, every, every day, multiple times. And I thought that was pretty touching, honestly. Yeah, it was really, uh, I thought it was really uh, just a nice way to say goodbye like to a, a character that he's sort of, he, that he has written for such a long time that he is so, and has been so invested in for him to just to, to say goodbye with a simple like Spider-Man changes people's worlds. And I, I feel like it was also a way for him to say like Spider-Man has changed his world to an extent. Right. It's, it's, a, it's affected him because it's been just such a, a huge part of his life. Um, so I, I thought, yeah, it was, it was really touching. Um, the art, Marcos Martin is amazing. Uh, the colors are sort of flat and gradients and, um, he, he did the, the very last bit, uh, or like this creative, this team did the very last bit of the last, uh, issue. Yep. Um, like the final, like six pages or something. And I thought that was the best, the best art out of, out of that issue. And I think for them to, to end on this one was super, uh, it's just really cool. Cause he has a style that makes Spider-Man very iconic. Um, and especially that last splash page. Where he's just against the against the sky, blue against red, and it's just uh, going into the sunset. It was it was really really awesome. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and to to your point about Spider Man sort of saving Dan Slott or meaning the world to him, uh, in his goodbye essay in the back, he talks about how um, Spider Man is that for for real people too. You know, um, and that the creative teams behind the character are always there for you. Um, if Dan Slott is your Spider-Man writer, then his 10-year run will always be there. And you can always go back to that if that's your home. But if it's not your home, uh, Stan Lee's run is there too. And all the great runs are there. And I thought that was like, that was one of the most poignant things I've ever seen someone say about comic books. It really struck me hard, especially from someone who got the the amount of backlash for the stuff that he did. You know, specific, specifically uh, Superior Spider Man. Yep. And um, you know, to to a lesser extent, you know, uh, giving uh, Parker Industries and 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 that whole storyline. But um, yeah, that's a incredibly poignant message to uh, to send to comics readers. Yeah. He was saying that uh, a young reader came up to him and, and pleaded with him not to not to stop writing the book because 
You know, that was the only Spider-Man he'd ever known. And uh, he said, I'll always be here for you. <laughs> if you if you want to read this, please pick the book up again because I would love, you know, that's why I did it. And uh, I almost cried when I read it because I thought that was so impactful. So um, I don't really have a lot more to say about this issue. It's a, it's a pretty bare bones uh, book. Doesn't mean it's not good. It's really good. Uh, it just doesn't. There are no 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 frills. Uh, but I did want to just say thank you, Dan Slott. Uh, you did an amazing job with a character that means a lot to me and a lot to a lot of other people. And I know that at some point I was down on the run during Superior Spider-Man, and I questioned uh, what the hell you were doing. Um, but clearly there was a method to the madness, and I think you stuck the landing in a way that few creators get to for a variety of reasons but um I, i'm this is one of the great runs in my opinion in the history of a character with a lot of great runs uh so hats off and thank you yeah well, <clears throat> when uh when i got a hold of of superior i uh <laughs> threw it down and swore i would never read comics again um and i coincidentally went to school to get my master's degree in them uh, but I, um, I listened to a, a Nerdist Comics panel where where Matt Fraction, you know, was was talking about Dan Slott, and it was it was very. Um, I don't remember the context, but it, it was very contextual. But it, it, it was just one one sentence that was, "Listen, nobody loves Dan Slott." Wait. <laughs> nobody loves spider-man like dan slot loves spider-man dan slot knows spider-man that man has has a passion for spider-man that no one will ever match and uh, that carried me through the superior arc i read every issue and i didn't like it i i didn't like a lot of it until the end and then i got it um and and i i've said this before like i i saw like the the smallest hole where he could have done it and he did it he stuck the landing and it wasn't that i predicted it but it was that i saw it and it was part of the whole plan and i saw the whole picture and i didn't know it until it was finished um and yeah just like if um i would highly recommend uh you you go listen to the the nerdist comics um panels with um with dan slot because he talks about a lot of the process of his years of of Spider-Man books, and and it's uh, it's really enlightening and just it's really cool to listen to. And I I agree, uh, no one loves Spider-Man like Dan Slott. Yeah, I think I'll take you up on that uh, because this now that the run's over, a lot of the stuff that I decided to skip because I thought he didn't get it. Um, now I know how wrong I was. Yeah. And uh, I, I do want to go back and, and read the rest, the the, the the gaps that I have in his run. I, I want to go back and experience all of that. Marco, any last words on this before we move on? No. Uh, I'm, I mean, I, I'm interested in, in the run now. You know, uh, it is something that uh, I, I know you guys have spoken uh, highly of it. And so it, it's something that I'm, I'm at least interested in now. Uh, and I mean, that's the best thing you can do as a writer, right? If you haven't read his work yet, it's something to pull you in. Uh, and then the last note on the last page, um, 
there's a little thing at the bottom, uh, the bottom right corner. It just says slot was here. Uh, on, <laughs> on, so I thought that was really, uh, that was really cute. I don't even think I caught that. Now it's I like right at the bottom. Now I have to go back. Oh, yeah, there it is. I love it. So, yeah, uh, for you for you audio listeners, uh, Markle's actually holding it up right now, and you can kind of see it. It's a little glossy, a little hard to see, but uh, it's, it's oh, definitely yeah. there. Oh, yeah, I can yeah. see the scribbles, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going we're gonna to jump into Shanghai Red. Uh, this is a book by Christopher Sabella, who is... Uh, as we know, a friend of the show. Um, we've had him on a couple times, and he's a good guy. Uh, and, of course, his career is skyrocketing right now. Um, and it's his You're th- welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's him teaming up with uh, Joshua Hickson and Hassan Atsmane Elhau um, on, a, on a book that uh, I think most people who know me or – listen to this show would know that it's not for me on the outset because they are pirates. Uh, these are characters on a pirate ship. I guess they're not necessarily pirates, but they're, they're on a, a boat and it's, you know, there's a lot of pirate like imagery. And, uh, despite that, I gave it a chance anyway for my man, Christopher Sabella. And let me tell you, I was not disappointed. Sean picked it up and went pirates. Why does it have to be pirates? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, Marco, Too bad Phil's not here to dunk on you. <laughs> uh, he doesn't need a reason to dunk on me. <laughs> Marco, what do you what do you think of this? Uh, I so I've been hungry for a sort of pirate story, kind of like this. I, I know, like I've uh, I, I've been trying to find like Corto Maltese stuff and just things with this kind of imagery. So this scratched niche for me that I've been very much. Uh, wanting and I thought it was it was really it was solid uh, the writing was great the art I thought was fantastic and just the continuous motif of just red and oranges um, and the uh, the purples just providing that sort of pulp feel uh, which is very reminiscent of uh, older uh, just older stories and older kind of uh, comics where anthologies where these words sort of live and um even in the lettering, Hassan, who is uh, some of you guys might know, I, I, I'm a fan of his from um, Panel by Panel. The uh, he has a YouTube channel, um, and he even incorporates like his reds and oranges and like certain shades, even in the in the lettering in certain text boxes. So I thought overall this was a really unified piece, um, and man, they 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 delivered. Uh, the the story is essentially like a, a revenge story, um, but I mean the the motion that comes through through the art and through just the the story itself, it, it hooked me. This is definitely a book uh, for me. What I I think what I liked in particular was was the art was Joshua Hickson's art and especially his his use of color. I think my my favorite panel is is the one where the the captain gets shot. Yeah. It it isn't such like a break in the page, uh, because it, like the first panel on that page is is you know bright it has a bright orange background and you know it leads into the red of the next couple of panels, but it also is because it's it's if you notice it doesn't have the black outline around uh around that moment, 
Um, and it's just, it's just there. And it's this moment that exists in time. And it's, you know, to me, it sort of represents the, the, the shift that is about to take place, you know, as he, as he falls into the water and dies. Um, and you can, you know, you can, you can really feel like the expanse of the ocean in the panel just below it as, uh, as the guy falls into it. Um, yeah, the art in this is just incredible. I am all about it. It reminds me of, uh, a lot of the, uh, the, uh, I worked with Ed Brubaker, maybe Bendis on Daredevil, Alex Maleev. Yeah. 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 It reminds me a lot of Alex Maleev. Um in a way that's like it's like dark and noirish, but mm. the colors just to me really, really make it. They're muted, but at the same time vibrant. Sure. It's like a it's like a Francovilla almost. Like very much like that kind of that kind of coloring style with the use of color, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, in terms of the writing and the scripting, I I did really enjoy it. I think it um, it sets up a lot, and I yeah. I really appreciate that about the first issue. Uh, my hope is that now that we have this setup the events of the issue progress now you know you know they're give us the connections we need sure but it felt like quite a bit of this was exposition which i'm 100 percent okay with but now i want progression yeah so i i um i really thought that sabella knocked it out of the park um because a lot of first issues are slow. And within two pages, you go from, oh, yeah, there's just these, you know, sailors on a boat who are about to get their freedom. And you think, okay, well, what's going to happen with that? That's kind of like pedestrian. And then there's just a murder, right? And then it's just, oh, we're, we're here. Like, this is just happening. Um, and, and it really ramps up from there. And I love the the breakneck pace at the start, uh, especially, you know, in comics, you got like three pages, four pages to, to really hook somebody. And he did it masterfully. I thought, um, there's a, a particular, um, two pages that I think are brilliant, um, that are the, like the yes, reflective, the, the, yeah. the, the reflective pages. I thought those were absolutely brilliant. Huh, okay, I read it digitally. Was this the uh, where she's pulling like the clothes off the yep. dead guy? And yep. okay, and then something similar is okay. Okay, yeah, for you, for you, I, uh, YouTube viewers, trying to hold it up, but it's like uh, a match. Okay, yeah. okay, I read that. Uh, I read, I read it on Comicsology, so I didn't. Uh, I I missed that. Ah, uh, okay. I I really I really loved that. I thought that was again. Um, a perfect mixture of writer and artist being so in sync and getting that right. I mean, yep. Christopher Sabella had, there were no words on that page, mm-hmm. but his influence is there. And I think uh, whenever you can hand the reins over to your artist and kind of say, here's what I envisioned, you know, take it. And they, then they do this. That's, that's awesome. Um, my one critique, <laughs> go ahead, Marco. 
sorry and then just like on on that same page and to to kale's earlier point it also sort of uh just like looking back now uh, it, it sort of shows that shift between red taking over and like the previous captain and like her experiences and how that sort of is progressing the story no yeah i, th- I think uh the use of color in this book was absolutely phenomenal um my my one critique with this was that it's a pirate theme yeah, uh, well, that it. aside, because that's <laughs> that is just that's from the jump. You know, there was a strike one before I even bought the thing. Um, but it kind of dives into her backstory, and not that that wasn't interesting, but that wasn't the most interesting thing that could have been happening in that moment in my eyes. And I felt like the book really got slow right there. That's not what I wanted. But like you, Kale, I think that now that that's established we can get into more of the nitty-gritty. Yeah. But uh, especially for a first issue, I think this was a home run uh, for all, from everyone that was involved. And I really, really can't wait for the next issue here. Uh, I was going to buy it regardless because it is Sabella, and I do really appreciate him and, and want to support. I'm glad to say that it's really, really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and um, just in a... A slight amend- amendment. Uh, Hassan is actually from strip panel naked. I said panel by panel before. So just to clarify. Oh, okay. That's it. You're fired. Yep. Expect to be ridiculed on the next episode of The Long Box. Boom. <laughs> so that's going to do it for our reviews this time around. Hopefully you guys enjoyed those. Uh, if you guys read any of those books, let us know. We'd love to know your thoughts and if, they, uh, if they're contrary to what we thought about these books. Um, of course, there are plenty of ways you can reach out and talk to us. Of course, we're on iTunes, or I should say Apple Podcasts. You can get us on there. We're a five-star rated show. We're on all other podcast hosting platforms as well. Uh, we're on, or we're at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. Um, of course, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com, where we can chat about this or any other episode of the Comics Pals. Love to hear your feedback on the column that we read a little bit earlier about the the middle brow uh, comic book world and whether or not that's a that's a, a sinking ship or a sustainable ship, I should say. Um, and last but not least, we're on YouTube, where if you're on there right now checking us out, you can share this video with your friends and most helpfully subscribe to our channel. That is the best way to support us, even if you don't uh, peruse YouTube often. It takes you no time at all to just hit that subscribe button. It's free to do. It helps us out a lot more than it takes from you, and we really appreciate that. So, let's do some plugs. Kale. You can find Pete on the Video Game Pals, except not this week. Uh, <laughs> you can but find me the, uh, uh, Who'd want to do that? Yeah, <laughs> The uh, the Video Game Pals have uh, really killer coverage of uh, the E3 stuff that happened uh, last week and, and over the uh, that weekend. Um, Pete's got some terrible takes on the new Pokemon games that I'm sure somebody will want to listen to. Um, uh, you can find him at loud underscore Pete, and he also does uh, uh, Let's Plays for uh, Pals Play. Uh, with Thompson. With, uh, with Thompson, yeah, with uh, uh, the video game vampire himself, uh, Thompson. <clears throat> um, 
He's loud underscore Pete, like I said, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Go give him a follow uh, if you want your computer to scream at you. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TotoInto. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. I have got something real, real cool coming out soon. Um, I have seen it. I uh, have turned it in. It's real freaking cool. Um, and uh, I'm not going to talk about it. Oh, but you'll but you'll know. You'll know. All right, you'll know. Uh, I thought we, we were about don't. to get an exclusive. Not no, not yet. Well, I I did see a bit of it, and I saw a tree that looked like a butt. So it very like interesting. A, it looks like a butt. Uh, but in the meantime, you can see uh, my work with Letty Wilson uh, at selfie.com slash panels publishing as well as on Comixology under panels publishing. Um, I also want to take a second to plug um, uh, panels writer Aaron Keepers is uh, doing a book with a company called Cult Empire Comics called Nasty Girls with uh, Catriona Laird. Um, it's a book about... Uh, um oh is that not how you say your name is it katrina all right listen it's spelled very weird (laughs) (laughs) thanks jess (laughs) i (laughs) i felt the way she looked up from that (laughs) (laughs) okay katrina laird um uh it's a book about a, a a girl band who isn't very successful and uh on the music scene and then turns to being successful in other ways or in other ways um anyway aaron um if you have read cosmic you know aaron is a phenomenal writer yep um very excited to see her in this uh in this new setting and i'm very very excited to see her get uh her first real big shot so well her first big shot um so that's real exciting my pals are growing up uh no we're not fair uh my friends are (laughs) (laughs) okay mark um you can find phil at cyber beep That's it. I mean, That's go talk to him if you want. He has his opinion. C Y B O R G B E B O P. No, but seriously, he does have really good opinions and he is uh, a fun guy to talk to. So if you want to reach out, definitely do. Uh, and if you want to talk to me about uh, anything in the indie world, uh, there is a recent Kickstarter. Uh, oh, no, actually, that ended. But. Um, <laughs> Oh no! Sorry, you can you can go uh, get um, the freak by Matt. Uh, he's his Instagram. No, his Instagram <laughs> is uh, Matt Draws Comics. He's an indie. Uh, he's an indie artist. He just released the first issue of his series, The Freak. Uh, I bought it. I'm just waiting for it to come into the mail. It is looks very cool. He's very stylized art. So definitely go support him if you're interested. Um, and if you want to continue the conversation with me, you can find me. Uh, at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Uh, and as for me, I am at Sean Soapbox on Twitter and Instagram. Hit me up to talk about anything but pirates. But we can talk about Christopher Sabella's Shanghai Red because it is really good. And with that, we're the comments file signing off. Take care. Guys.
See you next week. Sean likes pirates. Na 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 na.